basket would win it. Three seconds left. Friars down one. Edwards handed the ball. Slaps it on the baseline. Looks for the break in the lane. Tries to find somebody to go to. Underneath the bullet. Oh, man. Watch it. Watch the long pass. McLaughlin to Jacobs in the backcourt. Half-court heave. It's game time. How about that? How about that one? Oh, my goodness. Providence wins the game. How about that? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) My goodness gracious. The clock struck midnight. Welcome to this episode of the Friartown Fanboys Podcast. It's been a little bit a little while since we last met here. Uh, but a snowy day in the northeast has allowed Brendan McGare to join me for uh, a little NCA tournament preview podcast where we discuss Providence's uh game on Wednesday night in Dayton against USC, a rematch of the call you just heard from last year from John Rook and Joe Hassett on WEI of the game-winning basket uh, and and unsuccessful buzzer heave by USC, where Providence got their first NCAA tournament win since 1997. Uh, the Friars and the Trojans will meet Wednesday night on True TV, tip off approximately 9:10 p.m. Uh, Brendan and I welcomed USC beat writer Zach Helfand of the LA Times to discuss Wednesday night's first more matchup out in Dayton. And then Brendan and I discussed the impressive feat for Providence to have four straight NCAA tournament appearances. And we did a little bit more on Wednesday's game from the PC perspective. Hope you enjoy it. Here's our interview with Zach Helfand of the LA Times. All right, and with the first four games imminently upon us, Brendan and I welcome in Zach Helfand of the LA Times. He is the USA USC beat reporter for the Times. Uh, Zach, welcome in, and hope everything's well in Dayton. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, so if we could just kind of get your idea, just give us kind of an overview of USC. I don't think a lot of Providence fans watched very many Pac-12 games, period, this year, no less USC. So give us kind of rundown USC as a team overall and maybe give us some quick uh, hits on their season. They are a, a fairly different team than when Providence saw them last, uh, last about a year ago in the NCAA tournament. Uh, since From that team, they lost two starters. They lost one of their point guards, Julian Jacobs, and they lost Nikola Jovanovic, their starting forward. And they also lost four reserves, including their sixth man, to transfers. Um, so they're, they're fairly different. This year, they pretty much won every game that you'd expect them to with, with one or two exceptions. And they lost every game that you'd expect them to. Uh, with maybe one or two exceptions, uh, they started off the year 14 and 0. They were 13 and 0 in the non-conference season. Uh, they, they didn't have too many big challenges in the non-conference season, except th- their big win was at home against SMU, which looks really good now. And without that win, they they would not have been in the tournament. Uh, they also beat a decent BYU team at Staples Center in LA, uh, and they they won at Texas A&M on the road. They they started off the conference season pretty well. Uh, they beat UCLA. That was their big win in the conference. Uh, and, and they lost to teams like Oregon and Arizona. Um, but it was really the end of the conference season that, that gave them an issue. Uh, they had three games in a, in a row against Oregon, UCLA, and Arizona. Two of those were on the road. Those are tough games, and no one really expected them to win, and they didn't. Uh, but then the, the big loss was they lost on the road to Arizona State. Uh, they were winning that game big late. Uh, it, it was a lot like the the the, the tournament game last year against Providence, uh, except USC actually had a bigger lead 
and ended up blowing it late uh, on a last-second shot when they missed a lot of free throws and layups and turned the ball over late. Pretty much everything that could have gone wrong did. So they, that, was, that was their fourth loss in a row right at the end of the year. That almost knocked them out of the tournament. They, but they recovered at home with, with their last home series. They won two and then won one in the tournament, in the Pac-12 tournament, and they were able to sneak in. Yeah, I watched uh, just before we came on. I watched their last two games um, in the from the Pac-12 tournament. Obviously, they beat Washington State and then lost to UCLA. It looks like they are much more. I don't really remember them playing as much zone. Um, it seemed like they played zone quite a bit in those two games, kind of mixing between man and zone. The two three seemed like it was kind of like a two three with a little bit of three two. They were pressuring on the wings. Um, is that something that's new this year, or, or am I just missing something? Yes, yeah, so so one of the big themes of their season, or one of the big moments of their season, was was Benny Boatwright, who's probably their best player. He's their leading scorer right now. Uh, he's a forward. He's like a six. He's a six ten forward uh, who who's basically like, like a guard. He can shoot threes. Uh, he can move well. He, he got hurt at the beginning of the year. He hurt his knee, and he was out. Uh, he missed seventeen and, and basically most of the eighteenth game. Uh, so so he he he's been out for the majority of the season. So what that forced USC to do is uh, play four guards, which worked because Boatwright was basically a guard. So they didn't have to change too much offensively. But defensively, they had to figure out something to, to make their defense work against some bigger teams. So they started going a lot more to this zone. And it started out as kind of just, you know, a makeshift thing. They needed to go to it. Uh, you know, they'd use it occasionally before, when Boatwright was healthy, but they, they had to rely on it more just because they, they had really no other options when they were going against teams with two bigs. Um, and it, it actually ended up developing into a strength. Against UCLA, in their win against UCLA, UCLA didn't know what to do against it, uh, and, and that was one of the reasons they ended up winning that game. So now that Boatwright is back, uh, Andy Enfield, USC's coach, prefers to go man-to-man, but they do have this in their back pocket where they could play 2-3 majority of the game and be fine with it because they've done that. For, for most of the year, and, and it has been effective at times, at least as a change-up. Uh, so, so it was something that was kind of like, you know, something they needed to do, and, and now it's it's become a strength or, or at least a nice option to have. Brendan? Zach, if uh, you don't mind if I jump in, just, um, you know, Ed Cooley talked about uh, yesterday at uh, practice for problems before they left about um, their three-point shooting at USC. Just... Um, how big of a weapon is that for them? It's it's big. They they haven't been. I guess they've been streaky. Let's say um, they've been relying on it less as the season has gone on because they've developed uh, their forward Jamezi Metu into more of an offensive weapon inside. Um, but for a lot of the season, you could really tell how they were going to do by how they shot. Um, if they were shooting well. Um, they were going to win. And if not, they were going to lose. They were really relying on it. Um, they have a lot of good outside shooters. I think the one that, that should worry Providence fans the most is is Benny Boatwright. Um, because he, he's just hard to defend. I think you're probably going to see Emmett Holt, I would think, guarding him. Um, that, that would that would probably make the most sense to me. Uh, and Boatwright's got three inches on him and could kind of take him to the perimeter. Um, where where he could be a really good shooter, um, but but they've also got guys like Elijah Stewart, their shooting guard, Quan Aaron, a wing, uh, and Jonah Matthews, another guard who who like to shoot and and shoot 
you know, they're they're kind of guys they'll they'll get it if they have any sort of luck they're going to let it go. Um, so USC hasn't had a game recently where they've really been hot shooting three point wise, or they haven't had many games recently. So I think if if they do get hot, they're really hard to defend because then they have a lot of other weapons that they can go to. Um, but but they haven't been recently. If they do start shooting it well early on, I think that's that's time maybe for Providence fans to get worried. Um, but if not, they aren't the type of team that, that really loves to go inside a lot. Yeah, I noticed... Oh, sorry, Mike. <laughs> I, just, I noticed when I was watching that UCLA game, um, they started 3-19 and about halfway through the first half, and just seeing some of their other games, it seems like slow starts maybe are a bit of a problem. Do you think that's more of a shooting issue, or they just kind of get off the slow starts and pick it up as they go? It's been a little of everything. The, the UCLA game was definitely a shooting issue. Um, the game before that against Washington, they, they trailed for most of the first half. I think they trailed at halftime, too, against a really bad Washington team, which which didn't even have Markel Fultz. Um, that was just they were disinterested in, in the first half of the game. And I think that's mostly been their problem. I mean, there's been times when they've shot poorly in the beginning of games. But they've, they've fallen behind a lot. It's really been a, a habit of this team to get behind. They, they, I think they have 10 comebacks of, of 10 points or, or more this season. Um, I think that's, that's, that's it. It's even nine or 10. Um, so, so it's, it's, you know, almost half of their wins have been fairly sizable comebacks. So they're a team that doesn't really panic if they're behind. Really their issue has been, has been getting ahead late and then collapsing like they did against Arizona state. They did it uh, another time against Arizona State and ended up holding on to win at home. And against Washington, they almost collapsed late in the, in the Pac-12 tournament. So th- their slow starts have been an, an issue, but one they've normally been able to to get past. Zach, I just want to ask about uh, Jordan McLaughlin. Just uh, you know, a year ago, he was probably checking Chris Dunn in this game. You know, huge assignment, and I thought he did pretty well. Guarding gets done. Uh, how different is it going to be this time guarding a guy like Kyron Cott, right? Uh, a little bit smaller, but uh, maybe just as quick as done. I think he matches up a little bit better against Cartwright. I mean, Cartwright is, is a very good player, but he's not quite the caliber that, that Chris Dunn is. Um, and, and the size. McLaughlin's not a, not the biggest guy uh, USC has. And he's also not, not even their best defender. Um, not, not even the best defender that's a guard. He's probably the third best defender that's a guard. Um, but he, I, I think he, he did I, – I was pretty impressed by by him on, on Dunn last year. He didn't completely shut him down, but um, Dunn didn't have his, his greatest game against USC. Um, but, but I think the matchup against Cartwright is just a little bit better for him because Cartwright I think is only 5'11", right? So um, I, I just think size-wise he, 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 he matches up better against, against Cartwright. What's the vibe you're getting around the USC team? Obviously, getting another crack to play PC the second year in a row. Is it, uh, you know, is it more, you know, we're it's we're a different team. They're a different team kind of uh, mentality, or is it, you know, we we get another crack at these guys. You get a little bit of that, you know, different team. They're a different team, but I, I think they're mostly excited to have another chance to to win or, or get some, you know redemption for a game that they felt like they should have won. And really, they should have won. Uh, if they guard an inbound pass better uh, and, and make some free throws late, um, they, they they win. And Providence played well. 
But I think USC looks at it as, as, you know, this is a winnable game that we had at the end that we messed up. Um, so I, I think they're excited to to get another chance at playing Providence. I mean, I think they're just excited to be in right now because some people were predicting that they weren't. But I, I think it, it's kind of a nice cherry on top for them that they get to play Providence. And then if they beat Providence, then, then no one's going to ask them anymore about, hey, how did you let uh, Rodney Bullock wide open on an inbound pass with a second and a half left? Uh, or, or why didn't you make any free throws late? Or, or what, what, the, what, what happened? Um, so I, I think, you know, I, talking to them today at practice, um, they were excited. And, and, and it took them a while to get over that loss from last year. Some of them finally watched tape on, on that loss for the first time um, yesterday when, when they were flying out. Uh, they hadn't watched tape after the game after the game last year, um, so I, th- I think that I think they're excited. I, I think that it, it's kind of a nice bonus for them to uh, to get a chance at Providence again, or at least that's the way they're looking at it. Now, for you on a personal level, did you pack light or heavy? And then what I mean is, did you pack enough stuff to go on to uh, to Tulsa? I, I packed enough stuff to go on to Tulsa. I don't know. I, I you know my gut is saying USC. Probably more likely to win. I think it's it's the the, the two teams are 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 pretty close to evenly matched. Um, but, but just in case, I don't want to be left with no clothes in Tulsa. So I did I did pack several uh, several shirts and, and several pairs of pants. Yeah, I know Father Shanley, the president of Providence College, told a story a couple of years ago that he had never packed enough clothing to get to Saturday of the Big East tournament because Providence hadn't been there since 1994. And in 2014, when they won it, he had to go out and buy some clothes for Saturday. So I don't think he's <laughs> make, he's not, he doesn't make those kind of same mistakes since Ed Cooley's gotten to town. Uh, I just wanted well, to Maybe he was about, worried about jinxing it. Yeah, well, yeah, he is a priest, but I'm sure he's also a little superstitious. Um, yeah. So... I just want to ask you, um, what do you, what would be one thing that you would be really worried about, maybe not even necessarily for USC against Providence, but just USC in general, and then what's something that you think is, is something that they're going to have maybe an advantage over the Friars in this game? Uh, ma- ma- matchup-wise, I, I think you're worried about um, – I, I don't know. I think USC has the athleticism and the versatility to match up with, with a lot of – teams. I, I mean, I think the guy that you worry about for, for Providence is, is Bullock. Um, if, if he gets going, you worry a little bit. Um, I, I think, not matchup-wise speaking, but I think the thing that worries USC, or certainly USC fans the most, is if they're in the same situation as they were last year. If they're up by four or five points in the last two or three minutes, um, can USC close it out? Um, I, I think that's the thing that, that's going to worry USC uh, because they haven't really proven that they can they can do it yet. Um, e- even as recently as as last week, they had trouble closing it out against Washington, and you wonder if they get in that situation again, um, do they start to panic and say, "Oh no, here we go again." Um, so I think more than any one matchup or, or or player, I think that's what what worries you. And uh, I forget the other. What, what was the second part of that question? Uh, what would be something that would be more something looked at as an advantage against Providence? I think if 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 they find that they can outrun Providence, um, I know Providence is, is, is fairly athletic, um, 
the first time USC played UCLA, the the consensus, or at least the perception, was that UCLA was was really athletic. Um, and and USC is a team that likes to outrun an, uh, opponents, that thinks they have advantages um, inside w- with their forwards, uh, you know, just leaping ability and shot blocking wise. And, and what they found against UCLA was they, you know, d- despite the US, UCLA's perception with, with Lonzo Ball and, and getting out and running, USC actually had the better athletes. Uh, UCLA had probably its better basketball players, but U- USC has better athletes. So I think when, when they find that mismatch where they can outrun teams, they get a lot of confidence, and they start running in transition and getting a lot of – their team that gets a lot of steals and blocks, and they can use that to score a lot of easy points. But they kind of need that confidence first. They kind of need to see that, hey – you know, we we are we have the better athletes on the court. I think that's the thing that they look up look for matchup wise is is does this team have better athleticism than us or or, or, or can we use that to our advantage? Uh, that's it for me. I don't know, Brendan, do you have anything else? Nope. Uh, I think uh, it should be a pretty entertaining game. Uh, you know, maybe maybe as, maybe not as drama filled as last year's, but uh, definitely one that has the potential to go down to the wire. If it's as good as last year's game, uh, drama-wise, I will I will be happy. But uh, I'm just happy that I'm I'm on the East Coast. No matter how close it is, unless we go into like seven overtimes, I won't have to worry about deadline or anything. Like like last year, we had the really late games, so we had to worry about that. But uh, it should be a good game, I think. Yeah, I picked it as a one-point game, so I think that's one point either way. It seems like Vegas agrees. It's in that you know, it's gotten up to three, but I think it's. Settling down will probably be about a one or two point game by the time they tip tomorrow night. Who is the favorite? I haven't even looked at the Vegas lines yet because I've been traveling. It opened as a pick and then went to USC minus one, and then yesterday it was minus three a lot for USC, and it's been two and a half to two uh, most of today, I think. Three seems a little inflated. One, one or, or one and a half to two seats. seems like it's on the money. Yeah. All right. Well. Enjoy it. Uh, we are stuck in the in the uh, the snow filled northeast for the game, but enjoy everything in Dayton and uh, good luck with your travels. All right, stay warm. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much. All right, big thanks to Zach uh, for joining us. That's uh, Zach Hellfan from the LA Times. He'll be out in Dayton. You can follow him on Twitter. I think it's at Zach Hellfan. Uh, he'll be out there for the game on Wednesday night. Uh, Brendan and I back here are just going to kind of break it down a little bit, talk a little bit more Providence-specific. Um, one thing we were just talking about off the air, uh, kind of just more of a, a big-picture thing, that this is now the fourth straight year that Providence has been in the NCAA tournament, something that has never happened in the, in the history of the program. Um, I know that from being picked ninth in Big East Media Day, uh, something that Ed Cooley talked about in his uh, press conference earlier today on Dayton, he mentioned it. I think he was asked about it by Kevin McNamara, and then later, like three questions later, mentioned it again. So don't forget, we were picked ninth. So it's something that obviously they took with them all year and had that as a chip on their shoulder. But even still, um, to have a team like St. John's, who was much improved this year, be picked ahead of them in the Big East uh, pre- preseason poll, to now making their fourth straight appearance in the NCAA tournament. It's pretty remarkable. Oh, unbelievable. Mike, you were there on Big East Media Day, went ninth place. And, you know, I guess, uh, you know, Ed Cooley's always calling to this belief somebody had to pick, be, pick ninth. And, you know, you look at the roster, you know, subtractions from last year, you know, Ben Bento, Chris Dunn, Junior Obamba, and, 
just felt that this was going to be a rebuilding year for the Friars. And, you know, shock of shocks, and Ed Cooley even talked about this today during his press conference on Dave, that, you know, they caught some breaks along the way. And, you know, not, you know, we'll say it, uh, you know, the point guard attrition in the Big East uh, at Creighton and Xavier specifically kind of opened the door a little bit for the Friars to creep back into the NSA discussion and win six in a row and, you know, obviously not have the best showing in the world in the Big East tournament, but, you know, to be back here four years in a row definitely has to be considered, you know, Ed Cooley's best coaching job at Providence, even more so when they won the Big East tournament in 2014 with basically a six, seven-man rotation. Yeah, I mean, that, that that was almost just like a magical run that you kind of just said, oh, well, you know, they, they got hot. Bryce Cotton is a great player. But this year, I don't think there's any great players on this team. No offense to any of the current players, but um, it's interesting to hear Zach talk about Rodney Bullock as the player that, that uh, USC needs to worry about the most. And if I think you ask Providence fans right now coming off of the game the other night in the Madison Square Garden where Bullock basically didn't show up for, for the entirety of the game, I don't think that anybody would say that Bullock is the guy that, that USC has the most worry about. But that's sort of been the whole thing all year. They don't seem to have a guy who is the go-to scorer. They don't seem to have anybody that can take over a game. But they got it done. Cartwright hit shots when they needed to. Lindsey got had some big games. Bullock and, and, and Emmett Holt uh, had some big second halves during that six-game winning streak. So, you know, definitely a little bit of luck with the injuries, especially with Blewett, getting Xavier without Blewett and Sumner. But they won the games. And they got 10 wins in the league, and you can't take that away from him. 20 win season again for Ed Cooley. Uh, I, I agree. This is, this is his best coaching job by far. And uh, you know, here they are. You know, I'm sure there was a little bit of disappointment getting into that play-in game, thinking that they had done enough to get off the, uh, that quote-unquote cut line. And when you look at Marquette, you know, not being in that situation, Xavier, two teams that in theory you finished ahead of seed-wise in the Big East tournament. But still, you know, four years in a row, it just shows that uh, there were, the biggest thing for me, Mike, coming into this year is would there be a step back for this program given the, the amount of success that we've seen, you know, three straight years in the NCAA tournament, finally winning a game last year, Big East Championship. Would this program start to maybe take a step back and go into that rebuilding mode and, you know, have to dig itself out and maybe be another couple, two or three years before they get back into the NCAA discussion and, you know, Honestly, I, I was surprised the way the season unfolded, uh, given the uh, six-game winning streak and, and whatnot. And it just shows that things are continuing to progress in the right direction. And you know, we could talk about the the uh, the practice facility that's coming in a couple of years. You know, the uh, recruits, especially the big men that are coming next year, the the Friar ties that are out there right now in terms of the uh, guards from the 2018 recruiting class. Uh, you think things are, are progressing in the right direction, and this year was not a quote-unquote step back in terms of national prominence and getting back to the big dance. Yeah, and then they're able to kind of – it's it's obviously thinking way ahead because everyone's kind of thinking about Wednesday night, but you could take this a step further and you realize that pretty much everybody who is contributing on this team right now should be back next season. And then you add in the guys you mentioned, like you got the Dejour Dickens who just led his team to the state finals. They fell a little short, um, but he had an 18.18 rebound game in the semis the game before that. And you got Nate Watson, who's like top 80 recruit, um, pure power forwards, big kid from, from the DC, Arlington, Virginia area. And so you, you got Tyron Cartwright back, 
who will probably be alongside Edmund Sumner next year as one of the best returning point guards in the Big East. And then you add in Jalen Lindsey, who has gotten more confident, I think, every single day this year, uh, seeing him put the ball on the deck a little bit more the last couple of weeks, taking some pull-up jumpers. That's not something you saw the, the first couple of years from him. And then no. if Rodney Bullock comes back and maybe he sort of gets his head on straight a little bit and realizes this might be his last go-around, you add all that in, and they could be even better next year. Uh, and it's scary to think about, but that's that's sort of where Ed Cooley has this program now where it's not really rebuilding. You are kind of reloading. It's not the reloading that Kentucky does, but they, they still are maintaining a program now. And especially in this Big East this year, like where you saw seven out of the ten teams get in, it's it was a total bear. It was it's the most I believe since uh, you know the conference uh, reshuffling and you know we went to this current this current ten team arrangement. So it, it just it's it's hats off to Ed Cooley and his staff and what they've done to you know have an opportunity to play among the field of uh, sixty eight. All right, we heard from Zach. We discussed the the program and the the excitement for getting in for a fourth year. What do you think about the game Wednesday night? I think it's a toss-up. You know, we talked about the line a little bit fluctuating. Uh, pick them, USC by one and a half, two, three. You know, maybe back down a little bit. I think it's a, a complete pick them. It's going to be more, I think, a test of the coaching staffs. And I kind of wrote this last week going into the Big East tournament about the job the assistant coaches have to do going into, like, say, the Big East, where it's more of a, a touch-up kind of job when you're refining about the maybe the games that you played against them because there are two games worth of tape and also maybe look at the last five games. This is a totally different animal because you're playing an opponent who that's probably not that was not on your radar until Sunday night. So it's going to be more, I think, on the coaching staffs to kind of, you know, go through everything, see tendencies and and uh really kind of discover what's the best way to attack USC. And how much do you kind of lean on that game last year even though the personnel from both sides have totally changed. Can you glean anything from, you know, just style of uh, what USC likes to do? Yeah, I mean, watching their UCLA game um, I watched earlier, it, they seem to just like to run a lot of pick and roll. Jordan McLaughlin has the ball in his hands a lot, and the other guys kind of just make plays here and there. And then Benny Boatwright is a good shooter, but as Zach kind of said, they, they've been streaky as a team. And with him missing 17-plus games, um, you never really know where he is in terms of – we saw that with Ryan Fazekas when he's missing games. You just never really know. So, uh, for me, the key is they have to stop Jordan McLaughlin because he seems to be their catalyst, kind of like Kyron Cartwright is. And, and Providence fans know if Cartwright doesn't have a good game, most of the time Providence loses. So, if McLaughlin is able to get into the lane like he did the other night against UCLA – they came up short in that game, but they came all the way back from 14 down to have a chance in the final couple of minutes. And it was because McLaughlin got into the lane whenever he wanted, and they got the ball moving around to get Boatwright some looks and Elijah Stewart some looks. Um, so for me, it's, it's the key is stopping McLaughlin. If they can do that, and then you get Kyron Carter maybe playing fast but under control, I think Providence has a very good chance to go to Tulsa and play SMU on Friday. And I don't think do – you, do you think, like, SMU is – you know, we're, obviously we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but do you think SMU is, like, one of those, oh, my God, kind of, like, you know, teams to face coming out of a quick turnaround like this? I really don't. And, and honestly, 
the stats are all there. I'm sure people have seen them all week about guys who 11 seed teams that win um, every every year. Someone has advanced in the round of 32. And of all the other the, the other 11 game, I think that the, the 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 winner of this game is probably the team that goes to the round of 32. I'm not a big believer in SMU um, myself. And you know they have a brand new coach. He had a good first year, but he's never been to the NCAA tournament before. A lot of their guys haven't been to the NCAA tournament before. So. Um, I know that people are saying they're a little underseeded, but I just don't see SMU being a bear as a six. Um, but again, you, you got to get through, got to get through Wednesday night if you're Red Cooley. But I'm sure that they were not too upset to see a team from the American there versus maybe you get a team from the Big 12 or something like that. You just mentioned experience, Mike. How much do you think that's a big deal this time of year? You know, especially maybe from a coaching perspective. You know, we were talking yesterday over at practice about the URI. This is the first time that they're really going through this as a program. You know, coming back home after after a successful run at the Atlanta 10 tournament, and now you have to, like, kind of switch gears almost and, you know, fly out to California to face a Creighton team. How much do you think, you know, Providence, having been there and done that, you know, quote-unquote bought the proverbial T-shirt, plays a factor in, you know, Keeping everything trying business as usual, even though you're doing the quote unquote press conferences on an elevated platform, there's blue all around. You know the crowds are a lot bigger than maybe you're accustomed to. On a typical and you're, Wednesday you're, night. you're referred to by everyone as a student athlete when you know that's kind of a nonsense thing, but they refuse to say player or athlete, just student athlete. But I think the experience factor, especially from a coaching staff, right? Cool. I think that has to. Be a little bit of a uh, trump card in his back pocket right here. Yeah, I think that there's no doubt. I mean, you, you, this, uh, and he was asked about this uh, in the press conference today, Dayton. I think the fact that this is their fourth year, and for a lot of guys on the team, it's their third year in a row. Um, it's something that it, it can't be, it can't hurt you. So it, they have the advantage over most of the guys on USC, even though some of them were there last year. Um, you know, it's, I think that that's this time of year, you see it even in Big East tournament play. The, the teams that continually advance to Friday and Saturday night are the teams who have very well-prepared coaching staffs who incidentally also have experience going to the NCAA tournament almost year in and year out. And they know how to coach in a tournament situation where you have to be ready for whatever comes at you. You just have to kind of make it happen and keep everybody under under control and, and focused for the task at hand. And, you, you know, it's going to be tough. they got to spin around all day tomorrow. They're not going to tip off probably till close to 930. Um, but I think that having done that just recently at the Big East tournament, obviously with not great results, and also the fact that they did it, they've done it almost every year now that they've been in the, in the, in the NCAA tournament, they have a late game. So I'm sure this coaching staff and Ed Cooley is, is fully prepared for whatever curveballs are going to come their way between now and tip off. Um, what's your biggest key, Mike? And maybe I'll go first uh, with this. You know, bottom line, Emmett Holt cannot pick up two fouls in the first, you know, two three minutes, and also and that changes the dynamic of what you want to do as uh, a PC team. Uh, you know, there's been too many games this year, in my opinion, where Emmett Holt has gotten way too quick of foul trouble, and it's kind of forced Khalif Young into the game. And you know, not taking away from Khalif Young, I think the I think the future is bright for the uh, young big man out of uh, Canada, but um, you know, if I'm uh, USC and I look at Khalif Young in the game, what's stopping me from maybe, you know, putting him on the line kind of doing a hack-a-shack thing? You look, you see he's shooting, you know, not even 40% from the foul line. 
Yeah, that's a good point. And Holt really, it's uncanny. It's it's not even like he's out there hacking, but he just manages to get two fouls almost every time out there in the first half. Um, for me, I think that's, that's certainly a key. And I, I would say, just to piggyback off of that, between Bullock, Jalen Lindsay, and Holt, one of those guys needs to get going in the first half. They can't just rely on coming back in the second half. They did that a lot in the six-game winning streak, and they had success. But to me, the NCAA tournament is a whole different ballgame. You really have to come out, and you don't, have to, you don't have to get out to a 15 nothing lead, but you, you can't get behind 15 nothing, and you can't start shooting yourself into problems. So for me, it's got to be – Rodney Bullock obviously would be huge if he showed up in the first half after the disastrous performance he had on Thursday uh, at the Garden. I think he started like 0 for 9 or whatever it was. So if you get Bullock, Lindsay, or Holt going in the first half, and that speaks to what you're saying about the foul trouble, if you can keep Holt out of foul trouble, I do think he matches up well on the offensive end with some of their big men who are a little bit more slow of foot. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, if I think getting getting these guys going early, one of those guys has 10 points in the first half, and he probably in, in good shape. Now, you've already done your prediction. You think uh, the Friars are by a point, just like last year? Yeah, I have 72-71. Okay. Uh, I don't usually do predictions, but I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to go Friars 74-70. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. You know, USC likes to really, uh, it's, you know, get up and down. They like to shoot a lot of threes. And I think, you know, perimeter defense, the Friars, for the most part, have defended the three-point line pretty well. But, um, you know, like like I said, Emmett Holt, he's got to stay out of foul trouble. And somebody, you know, maybe in particular, Rodney Bullitt, because, you know, Kyra Cartwright has done a very good job, I think, in, like, asserting himself later in games. But they need somebody to kind of take the bull by the horns early on. And Rodney Bullock, I'm sure Ed Cooley has been talking to him about, uh, you know, you can't have another uh, slow start like you did in Madison Square last week. Because, you know, it didn't cost the fires because they still were in good shape heading into the second half. But, uh, you know, you wonder if he had gotten going, would it would have been more of a different outcome in terms of uh, – you know, Creighton going on their run that they did. Yeah, I think it'll be I think it'll be a fun one. Uh, probably one of the more fun games of the first four. Uh, I know starting tonight you got the other 16 and the other 11 game, but I think this could be one of the more competitive. Both teams are pretty evenly matched in terms of size and, and athleticism and skill, and I think we're we're in for another hard attack wrenching kind of game for Providence fans. No, uh, just like last year. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's. Uh, I think that'll do it for us. Uh, our NCAA tournament first four preview podcast. And uh, I want to thank Zach uh, Helfand again for coming on from the LA Times. And uh, Brendan, thanks for joining. Absolutely, Mike. And uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, we yeah. have another one, another one of these in us. Uh, maybe next week. Started from the bottom. Now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team in. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here.